This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe. From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Blue Wire. Let's park this ship. It's only game. Why do you have to be mad? Well, Christina, it's Saturday night. Here we are. Sort of Saturday night. It's pretty light here. Technically speaking, Welcome back to Puck Bunnies, everybody. It's the hockey podcast that you know and love. <laughs> Brought to you by Blue Wire. That's about hockey, objectively. And... Objectively. Oh, I'm Audrey, by the way. I'm Christina. And we are joined this week by a special guest. Our sweet friend, one of the most talented sports writers I know, Miss Marissa and Jemmy. It's so good to see you. Hello. It's very good to see you guys. It's good to see, like, human faces. That, that's super fun. Nice, nice, nice. If you are not familiar with Marissa's work, I'm trying to think of what sport you haven't covered in your career, um, especially since the shutdown. But pretty much everything at the pro and college level, you covered the Isabel Cup, you've covered the Stanley Cup playoffs. And then most recently, you were a Bruins beat writer at the Boston Herald. And then since then, you've been contributing to the Ice Garden, all these outlets in the Boston area. And I'm sorry, you are 24? I turned 24 a month from today. She's 23. Oh my god. Babe! <laughs> we got ourselves a little Leo on our Oh yes, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, big Leo energy. One of the most Leo embodying people I think I've ever met. <laughs> yeah, because that's a pretty big track record for someone who's 23. Oh, it's no big deal. Just like look at my accomplishments also. <laughs> my entire chart like is I'm... terrifying, actually. Oh really? Wait, okay, what do you got? What um, do you got? Sagittarius moon, Scorpio rising. Oh, <laughs> two fire signs and a fake fire sign. <laughs> I love that yeah. fake fire. Yes. It sounds like Judy Garland's sign or something like that. 
it's me. I'm here to perform and I'm here to do it yes. perfectly every time. <laughs> Marissa, this is objectively a hockey podcast, but obviously like none of us have really been focusing on hockey for the last three months. And we've mostly been focusing. I mean, I'm speaking mostly for me and Christina, but we've been um, doing a lot of depression as an activity. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was wondering, just like, can we get a vibe check? Oh, wow. Uh, that's very day to day. Depression as an activity. That, <laughs> that, that's a good way of putting like what I do every day. I've been wondering, like, people ask me, what did you do? And I don't want to be like, oh, well, I traded a bunch of Pokemon today. So I'm just like, oh, I, I researched for my stories today. But depression sounds like way more of a realistic description of what I did today. It feels like they're very much back in Victorian times where like doing depression things was just like things that women did. Yes, I'll just lay on my chase lounge for like hours. Look out the window. And like cry when it rains and stuff like that. I'm just fully elemental back to my Virginia Wolf self. I'm ready to get some leech treatments or something. Oh God. I like organized my spice cabinet today. That feels like a depression activity. What is your, like, matrix? What are you going by? Size? Um, I just got, like, these little glass jars in the mail because they look cute, and then I needed to decide what to do with them. So I was like, I guess I'll put my spices in there. Smart. Imagine how bored every hockey player must be in quarantine if we are this bored in quarantine. Are they organizing their spice cabinets, though? What's the hockey player equivalent of organizing your spice cabinets? They can't cheat on their wives anymore. <laughs> so like that's that's a huge like entertainment resource just gone. That feels like a problem for the men in general. Like how are they doing now that they can't cheat or abuse women? If you're listening to this and you're a man and you feel like you need to chime in and answer that question, don't because we don't <laughs> care. Not good. <laughs> Marissa, speaking of depression. Great segue. You got laid off in April? April 2nd. From the Boston Herald. And there was a lot of there were a lot of people who were very pissed on your behalf, including us. Can you talk a little bit about how that has affected your thinking about hockey in this time when there's no actual hockey going on? Like, do you think that's been harder or not as hard that there's not playoffs going on right now? Um, I can't really watch hockey highlights anymore without feeling like extreme FOMO. Actually, like the other day I was talking to my online therapist and I was explaining to him how sad I am all the time now that I don't have a job. And he was like, oh yeah, FOMO. And that was his answer. Um, so apparently I'm cured. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. But now I like I can't watch hockey highlights. The other day, like a Bruins reporter tweeted about, oh, Boston would be the perfect hub for the NHL. And my first thought was like, if that happens, I don't know, like I will just evaporate. If there's hockey going on like four miles from where I live and I'm just- I will need to leave. Yeah, no thanks. That sounds terrible. No, you know what? You have this burgeoning freelance career. I don't know. I mean, like, I I remember when I heard about that and I was very disappointed that, like, the Boston Herald would do something like that. But to have someone's, and especially to, like, you know, lay off someone so young and talented, but there's going to be other people who are super interested in that. And right now you're doing, like, a fantastic job on your own, writing really interesting and unique Thank stories you. on weird sports. You've had some, like, really fun pieces lately. What's been your favorite one to work on? Uh, one of the ones I really, I mean, I've been doing a lot of stuff for Yahoo lately, and they're awesome because they've been super receptive about women's sports. Nice. That's, like, the dream career, covering women's sports full-time. I don't know if that'll ever happen, but it's cool right now. So I got to, I wanted to talk to all six pro women's sports league commissioners, and then the WNBA and NWSL ghosted me. So I talked to four of them. Um, so that was kind of fun. Just More than half. 
Yeah, I mean, pretty good success, right? So that was pretty fun to write, just to talk to them about, like, what are you going to do? It was interesting. Like, the main point I wanted to drive home is that it's different as far as, like, pressure they're facing. Like, everyone's telling the NFL you have to come back because you're morally obligated to entertaining us or whatever. Mm -hmm. But no one is telling that national pro fast pitch, so they can just be like, yeah, everyone stay safe. Cool. Good luck out there. (laughs) They're not losing as much money because they're not making as much money, which is, like, good and terrible at the same time. Well, I've been thinking a lot about um, college sports in general and like a lot of uh, how so many college athletes are women and they're playing sports that like people don't really go Mm -hmm. see a lot. And I'm really devastated for a lot of those student athletes who are just like not going to be or I mean, hopefully they're not going to be made to compete this this year. Did you do any reporting in college? Yeah, the last story I ever wrote for the Boston Herald was about the Harvard women's water polo team. And what are they going to do when they can't access water, especially because the Ivy League has like crazy regulations if you can't use their facilities in the summer they have like a lot Mm -hmm. of weird um regulations for stuff like that so um i did a story for washington city paper a couple of weeks ago because their editor is just awesome and has let me do some stuff about athletes who had their programs cut like east carolina swimming or like uh, old dominion wrestling you already lost your year and now you're being now your program's cut and transfers are really difficult right now too because everyone's trying to transfer, especially from Ivy League or Patriot League, where they don't allow 50-year players. And then you have freshmen coming in, and then a program gets cut, and those freshmen who are going to go in there have to leave. So transferring is just a super pain right now. So that's like some of the college stuff I've done. Yeah, you know, we hear so much about how this is affecting, like, some of the richest men in the mm-hmm. world. But this is affecting athletes of so many different other backgrounds as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. So I really love that you're following these stories of college athletes who are just kind of seeing their whole lives just changing. I think my favorite sport that you've covered in the last couple of months is NCAA women's bowling. Oh my god, yes. Hell yes. <laughs> so cool. What did you learn writing that story? Did you have any bowling knowledge, like, going into that. Oh god, no, I've bowled three times ever in my life. And then I learned that the bowling in New England is apparently different than the bowling everywhere else anyways. They got that Yankee style. Yeah, so like I took a man that shall not be named bowling in Boston and he just kept making fun of me that this isn't real bowling. Okay, wait, quick question. How do you bowl differently? Yeah. Like is there a different rule? Is roles? it like a gutter like, thing? I don't know it's candle pin bowling apparently. Oh, I don't okay. know. I mean, I found that story just, I used to freelance a lot before I went to the Herald. And one of my pastimes was just Googling and looking up every single NCAA sport and the rankings and who was good at it. Mm. And then seeing, is there anything interesting about them? So I, the day I got laid off, I was like, well, I need something to do. So I was looking at like the women's rifle rankings in the NCAA or whatever. Yeah. And I'm looking through them all and I see bowling and there's a bunch of schools I never heard of. And I'm like, I hope those programs don't get cut and then those people don't have anything to do like that would suck and then I was just thinking about like in general everyone's sad there's no college football but no one's thinking about women's college bowling except for them so I was like I hope Mm. they're okay and then I was like I I wonder how many people care so I started talking to bowling people and it just seemed like a good way to illustrate that this isn't just about the rich NFL men this is about the bowler the freshman bowler at McKendree State University or whatever yeah who's getting their college paid for by like what they're good yeah and like this people don't think about that so when I I just thought it was good illustration of smaller college sports that also some of the schools like Eastern Maryland University that's what they're good at so like Mm -hmm. it matters there it might not matter at Alabama or whatever I mean like at Vanderbilt it's really good they were kind of one of the highlights of the story because they're good at other sports too so I thought they were interesting but uh yeah bowling it's an NCAA sport and that's awesome I love it
It's so funny which sports colleges pick to like fulfill their Title IX requirements. Oh God, yeah. You know what I mean, so a UT to have they're like, fuck, we gotta get these ladies. We gotta, we gotta get, get the these ladies, ladies doing something. So what they did is they became like a rowing powerhouse. Ah, uh, yes. And I, so they recruited right outside of Gregory Gym, and they would just hound my I'm ass. I'm sure they were after you. <laughs> oh my God. They would just get up my ass and be like, hey, have you ever thought about rowing? You know, you'd be really good at the back of the mm-hmm. boat. Like you should really rowing's think about it. Rowing's super and, tough, and I, like, it sounds it's like. It's so like, hard. everyone I've heard. You have to get up at seven in the morning. And I was like, no, <laughs> I've done that for the past four years. I'm not going to do that anymore. My very favorite part of rowing and my extremely limited knowledge is how on the men's teams, there's usually like one woman because she's small. The coxswain, yeah. And it is the woman, and I just love that. One, one summer, I was um, interning at Boston University Athletics because I worked there for money during the season, but in the summer, I just needed something to do. And they're like, we won't give you money, but we'll let you just come into our office every day. And I was like, great. Pay you an exposure. So I, I cataloged all the rowing stats, and I was like, how come there's a woman sometimes? And they had to explain that to me. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Rowing said women's rights. That's right. Right. A couple of years ago, there was a newspaper that shall not be named in Boston that had a story about how, like, women shouldn't be referees because the NHL is too fast. It's too fast. Our brains can't keep up. That was, like, two years ago, and to this day, my, my lady brain cannot compute. They're just skating around a finite area, and they're making incorrect calls. What difference does it make? If you're in your it's offensive zone, you're just quite literally standing Chilling. there. So what difference does it make? And, like, we saw Kendall Coyne, what she did. Yeah. And that was against only the fastest skaters. You throw in the not fastest skaters, she's going to be faster than, what, half the NHL anyways? This has been my argument about women in sports, particularly in hockey, and I wrote about this last year. Like, we're not comparing the best woman to the best man. We're comparing the best woman to the worst men. They're going to be better than them. (laughs) That's the only standard I want to be held to ever (laughs) in my life. We're not saying, like, Hillary Knight's going to go be Connor McDavid. We're saying she's going to go be better than Sean Thornton, probably. Exactly. Marissa, I have a question for you. Sure. So you're like a sports nerd. How did this happen? What happened to you? Man? Yeah. yeah. Um, like how, did you get dumped in radioactive fuel? Like what's, what's the uh, My dad's very, very into sports. So yeah. I, I grew up um, following sports and was into, I mean, I didn't really get into it until like my sister was into sports too. And she was before I was, she's younger than me. And the oh. Red Sox were playing in Japan in 2008. And it was at 6 a.m. And I just kept mentioning, like, to participate with my family, oh, I'm going to get up and watch. And they're like, no, you're not. And I was like, watch me. Leo. I was like, I like baseball now. And then I watched every Red Sox game, and then I started a blog, and then I didn't stop. Hell yes. I love this spite-based fandom. That's perfect. (laughs) That's a lot of it. Spite-based blogging is, like, the most mid-2000s teen thing that you can do. I don't know know if you guys remember MLB blogs. Very, very vaguely. And I'm like not a baseball person at all. Okay. I had this MLB blog that was the nerdiest thing ever because I wanted to find my niche. That was always my thing since I was 11 years old. I'm going to find my niche. So in baseball, I did a blog called Total Bases. And all it did was track how many bases every baseball player hit that day. Oh my God. If they hit a home run and a double, they had six bases that day. And that's the entire point of the blog and nobody (laughs) read it. And that's the only thing I did when I was 11 years old. But it was the one thing that you were doing that nobody else was doing. Exactly. And nobody's doing it to this day. I also tried to start a blog called Batting Ninth that was just about what did the number nine hitters do that day. (laughs) Equally, nobody read that. 
Okay, like, when I was 11, I think I was still eating my boogers, and I was definitely still playing with Barbies. I was playing paper doll games on the computer. That's about it. Oh my god, yes, the blingy dolls. Big pants, little shirt. Anyway, I don't know how to use computer anymore, so obviously these games <laughs> taught us nothing. There are no good computer games anymore. You have to get, like, a Nintendo That's- Switch. Yeah. Do you have yes, one? Yes, I have Animal Crossing, and I really want to love it. But I don't get to my video games until 3 a.m. And that's when all the petals or whatever it is are gone. Or figs. I don't know what it is. Something that everyone gets excited about. Thing. Okay, let, let me tell you. So I got Animal Crossing at the start of quarantine. Wow, I was very depressed. And like, I thought it was going to make me feel better. And then I would get stressed out about the thought <laughs> of playing it. Because I was like, this thing isn't supposed to help me. And it makes me anxious to play it. Anyway, wait until it feels right to play Animal Crossing. And you can get the turnips on Sundays if you log on before noon. What's the deal with the turnips? Why does anyone want a turnip? It's like the stock market. It's like you can like trade. Oh, so it's gambling. Now I'm into it. (laughs) You can buy them for a certain amount and you're supposed to wait for Tommy and Timmy to like pay you more. I don't know what the fuck they're doing with these turnips. They're the bookies. Okay. See, Marissa's going to be the one who gets us into sports gambling, I think, for real this time. I always feel like I should be, like, super into sports gambling, and I'm very casually into it. It's everything I should love. It's okay, I guess. It's so nappy. It's way more statistical-based than I thought. Yeah, that's what's annoying. I'm always, like, going to go bet on the horses, and then I just pick whose names I like. I guess we can talk about the Bruins, because we can go back to our mind palace where the playoffs are actually going to happen. Are they going to win? I don't know. (laughs) A Bruins player did test positive for COVID-19 like two weeks ago. Asymptomatic. Who do you think it was? Oh, God. I don't want to speculate because I still want to get a job. Who do you know it's definitely not? Um, it wasn't Bergeron or Marchand because they were on the ice already. And it wasn't Chara because he eats vegetables. Definitely. He seems like someone he would take it seriously. And it wasn't Sean Corrali because he's just too great. And it wasn't Carson Coleman because he's my dude. So what is like the Bruins relationship with the press? Because I know that they are so, so, so tight with Barstool and that whole. So are we allowed to swear on this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, please. I'm talking about this openly enough where if I'm like fucked by this, it's already too late. Covering the Bruins is kind of weird in the sense of it's very tough to access information. And it feels like a very tough beat to break stories on. My big thing, since I've been, co- I've been covering lacrosse since I was a child, and I've always broken stories. That's what I love to do. So I've broken a couple of Bruin stories, and nobody likes that. Really? Yeah, that's, that's, not, a, that's not ideal for anyone involved. How are they supposed to get news out? If like, there's just no stories broken up, they, they break all the stories? There have been times I've broken stories, and then I've heard from people who weren't too happy about it. That's all. Oh, wow. It's such a tough beat to break stories. I mean, in hockey, if you're a local writer, it's very tough to break stories anyways, because everything's given to the national reporters. And I think that's kind of how the NHL and the teams would prefer it anyways. So if a local reporter breaks something, a lot of the time they were intended to get that information, if that makes sense. However, I have really great sources who love me, and I love them back. So sometimes I just get to know about stuff. And then if I get a second person who I love, who wants to give me that information too, and then I have two sources, so then I post it, there are some people who would rather I didn't do that. Yeah, it's just insane how much they want to have it be a top-down, you know, organization to media and have it be no player and media contact because they're so afraid of what these buffoons (laughs) will say. 
who we're very fond of. There are many national hockey writers who I do love dearly. That's journalism, baby. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about how the playoffs are not going to happen. They aren't. But everyone is just kind of, and by everyone I mean the league, is just kind of pretending they're going to happen. What's been the mood around the Bruins and Bruins leadership about resuming the season? I can speak for what I see on like Twitter or in my various Bruins group chats. There's a lot of people who are just angry all the time because they have to live in Boston. And they think that the Bruins got screwed because the league's out to get them because they should have just been awarded the Stanley Cup because they had the most points at the end of the year. So they're the best team. Yeah, obviously. That's insane. Since they opened up Dunkin' Donuts, people are a lot more calm about things in Boston. Um, so, <laughs> so it's calmed down a bit. There's no, like, street riots happening over the Bruins not automatically winning the Stanley Cup. The thing about the Bruins, compared to the rest of the NHL teams in the States particularly, the Bruins are extremely popular, but in Boston they are not. They do fine, (laughs) but they are, like, very easily the number four team. I don't know if that changes now that Tom Brady, with the asterisk at the O and the A, is not here anymore. I mean, for as long as I remember, the Red Sox were number one, and then the Patriots became number one by, like, a large margin. Some of the stories I would write at the Herald for the Bruins, I'd get, like, 5,000 views, and that would be really good. And then it would be, like, today Tom Brady crossed the street and would get (laughs) 180,000 views. And, like, I guess that's why I don't have a job anymore. The coverage here is really weird in the sense of, like, it's Patriots, Red Sox, and then, like, people care about the Celtics more than the Bruins, even though the Bruins have been good for longer, and maybe that's because the Celtics were good in the 80s. Maybe it's because hockey players are boring, and they don't talk to reporters. And also, the thing about hockey coverage in Boston can tend to lean very boring at, like, the expense of everyone here hating me more than they already do. There's a lot of just, like, oh, well, the Bruins won tonight, but also 1970 happened. Every headline is, like, do you remember Bobby Orr? Yeah. Just making sure. (laughs) I don't know. Anyone in hockey in Boston over the age of like 37, everything they reference has to do with the big bad Bruins. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, that's cool and all. And that's awesome. But did you know the year 2020 is here and there was a game tonight too? I cannot imagine how quickly I would get my ass beat in Boston trying to talk to Boston hockey fans. Can you imagine? They would throw me in the bay. Have I ever told you the story about the first time that I went to Boston? No, but I want to hear it. This was like probably four years ago, and I was going to visit my brother, who was a student at Northeastern. And I was in an Uber because I had gone out with him and then was going back to the hotel or whatever Mm -hmm. to see my parents. And the Uber driver was driving me like through Back Bay area, but he he took like this weird turn down this side street and then like slowed down. And then he pointed out the window and he was like, that's Tom Brady's old townhouse. That's that's where it is located. Yeah. And then he just kept driving and got back on the main road. It's amazing. Just wanted to show Great. you. Thank you. My mistake was saying, this is my first time in Boston. I didn't say oh. I'm a Patriots fan, but he felt compelled to show me um, Tom Brady's old townhouse because I had never been to Boston before. How did it look? My favorite like Patriots thing about being in Boston and like being a Patriots fan, but also fully understanding they're awful, is how offended Patriots fans get when you say they're awful. They are. They're terrible. They're horrible people. I still hope they win, but I can also say they suck. That's the difference to me between Philly sports fans and Boston (laughs) sports fans. Philly is self-actualized in their own, they understand. Philly understands because they realize they're acting bad. They realize their own bad behavior. Boston fans will get so mad if anyone's like, the Patriots aren't the best team ever. 
but they can lose like one regular season game in week five and they will be the first people to tell you that the air is over do you remember the bruins game in late december against the capitals where there were just like a bunch of fights yes but the bruins won like very handedly every single story Every headline was about how the Bruins will never beat the Capitals because they're not tough enough. After the Bruins had beat the Capitals 7-3. Sports are slowly making their way back and Bet Online is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something other than sports? Bet Online has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. Rhode Island deserves a hockey team. There's my hot take. They have the Angels. They have the Providence Bruins. I was thinking about this the other day. I think the last time I was happy was right before the last Bruins road trip where I had to fly home from Buffalo because they decided not to do that game or hockey ever again. The week before that, I went to a Providence Bruins game and I was sitting at the Uno's at the Providence Mall across the street drinking $2 fireballs. And I think that's the last time I was happy. <laughs> Put that on my gravestone. <laughs> that's I what love the that. AHL can do for you. Every time I had an off day, like the Bruins were on the road or I didn't have to work and I didn't have a Boston Pride game to do, I would just go to Providence. I got kicked out of the lids at the Providence Mall. What, what did, did you do? do? I was playing with all the hats because I got the Tampa Bay Lightning hats and the Oklahoma City Thunder hats. And I was doing Lightning, Lightning, Thunder, like the Imagine Dragons song. <laughs> and I wanted to put it on my Instagram story and they told me to stop playing with the merchandise and to leave. Very rude of them. I'm doing it for the content. It's for the brand. But it's just the most dangerous store ever because I'm addicted to sports memorabilia. And I'll see like an off-colored, I don't know, Seattle Seahawks hat. And now I have to have it. That's fine. It brought you joy. So let's say that the playoffs are going to start happening at the end of July. What Bruins storylines would you want to see continue? That's a great question. Wow. Things I want to happen after Charlie McAvoy, like, never scored a goal in his entire life and then all of a sudden could score, I'd love to see him just, like, go on a tear because everyone was just all over him. He's having, like, the best defensive year of his career and everyone was yelling at him for not score. And I'd love to see him just go score, like, 17 goals or something just for the content. Yes. Like, an actual real-life storyline. They were going to have Andre Kashi, who I'm really proud of myself that after all this time I can remember how to say his name. He got traded from the Ducks, correct? Yeah, I broke that trade, so he's my guy now. Every time I hear the name Andre Kachi, I'm like, that's my guy, actually. I I think I was kind of happy that day. Not quite the same as Providence, but (laughs) somewhat. Not the same as $2 fireballs, but close. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I want to see what Andre Kachi does with the second line, because for the last infinite amount of years, everyone wants to talk about how David Krejci doesn't have a right winger. So now let's see if Andre Kashi can be that guy. Also, is Nick Ritchie good or not? I would really love to know the answer to that because he's better than Brett Ritchie. Ex-star Brett Ritchie. Who scored the first goal of the Bruins season. See, I thought it was an omen because I was there at the Bruins opener this year in Dallas. And 69 seconds into the season, Brett Ritchie scored a goal against his old team. And I thought that was going to set the tone for the year. But yeah, isn't Nick Ritchie good? I I really want to know the answer to that. Because sometimes he does something where you're like, oh, that wasn't bad. And then he'll just take a penalty for no reason at all. Like he'll trip a guy in another zone. 
He's just gonna get his giggles out. So I covered a game. There was a game at Nassau Coliseum where like he was having the game of his career, and then he took two penalties back to back. I don't know. He's left to self sabotage. Is he good or is he not? So that's what I want to find out. Can I answer, Audrey? I know you're not interviewing me, but if you were, I'm gonna answer your question. You as should. If you were, my storyline that I would like to see is if Brad Marchand uses himself as a bioweapon. Me too, as well. <laughs> I feel like the answer to that will be a resounding yes. Only time will tell. I don't want to say anything bad about Brad Marchand ever, because he's literally, like, the nicest dude. Oh, no, I think it'd be great if he did this. <laughs> I would support him using his body. It's one of my most problematic to most of the world hockey takes that I adore Brad Marchand. I'm sorry, and I have to apologize every time I say it because people get really mad. But um, I just do. I just like him. He's got an energy. Like, we have to defend our... <laughs> our Marchand defense all the time from our friends who were like, why do you like him? I don't know. He's really good and fun to watch. He's so good. And he's he's got a personality. He's super nice. I remember one of my first days, I had just been hired and they're like, okay, go write a long ass feature about Brad Marchand before the season. So I like was new. So I went up to PR that day and I'm like, can I talk to Brad Marchand today? And it was very much like John Mulaney and Delta. No. (laughs) And then I was walking away and then Brad Marchand's like, no, you can talk to me. So I owe him my life forever. Something I've always really wondered about Boston is that they have so many amazing players on team, very team-friendly contracts. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that this is something that you thought about a lot as a hockey reporter, but did you, you know, get any closer to solving that mystery for me? Do they just pay them, like, in chocolate? Dunkin' Donuts cards. Well on the side? Dunkin' Donuts cards. Ah! Thank you. All right. Question answered. Thank you so much. One time I got paid in a Dunkin' Donuts card. That's fine. When I was working at a very small newspaper in Massachusetts, the Newburyport Daily News, it was a two-person sports staff, and I was one of them, sometimes both of them. And I was covering this, like, week-long hockey tournament at high school hockey tournament at this rank that I literally got pneumonia from because I was there every day for a week, and it was so cold. And I didn't get overtime, so I got a Dunkin' Donuts card with, like, $15 on it. Thanks for the pneumonia. Sorry. Christina, have you finished Avatar yet? No, so me and my, so I waited for my boyfriend to catch okay. up, and now we're watching it together, and now we're finishing the third season, probably in the next it's couple It's so days. good, and you have to watch Quora after, because that is just as good. Yes. It, I, I've been so happy following your tweets about it, it makes me so happy. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I love Azula. Okay, my, my boy, he hates her. She's like, she sucks. She's well, she's mean. a Leo. Yeah, and she doesn't know how to talk to boys, that's fine. <laughs> I have one more actual hockey question or whatever. Something that I've been thinking about a lot is older players and players who are coming back from injuries and how a long pause in the season is going to be maybe beneficial and maybe not. How do you see that playing out for the Bruins right now? I'm thinking about Chara. I'm thinking about Patrice Bergeron, who's coming back from an injury. How do you think that could affect them in the long run? Bergeron worries me more than some guys because he has this like perennial groin issue Mm -hmm. that he's had surgery on a couple of times and they've basically said it's not going to go away ever so it's not one of those things that rest will help too much so I I just kind of worry about that with him in general. He seems fine. He's having like a career year. I was I had a story in a queue that'll never run about how he was going to hit his career high in goals and surpass it, and then that never happened. Never pre-write your stories, because then they get cursed. Yes. I had a David Pasternak 50 goal story I had to rewrite, too, where it's like, oh, it's really sad he didn't get that, with quotes from Cam Neal being like, oh, we're so happy for him. But yeah, so like, Bergeron, that's my worry. Chara, um, I know he's like 87 years old, but 
everything he's done in his career, I don't know. It's one of those things. I'll believe it when I see it when he's done. Yeah. That man is a shithouse. He takes care of himself yeah. so well. Like I said, he eats vegetables, so he'll be fine until he's not type of thing. As long as these guys have, like, access. What's tough right now is it's limited how many guys can skate. And typically when you're preparing to play for a season, especially something as intense as the playoffs, you need to skate, like, every day or at least often. Mm. And that's just not possible right now. So I do wonder how many, like, leg muscle injuries we're going to see just from guys not being able to skate so much. Tuka's never very good at the start of the year after a lot of time off. Um, so this amount of time off, it's almost like a whole off season, especially last year where the Bruins had two days off. Marissa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Do you have anything that you want to plug? Please, the floor is yours. Where can we find you? Um, I'm on Twitter most hours of the day, at nice. Marissa underscore and Jemmy. I tweet about sports and other stuff. I'm starting a Warrior Cats podcast, if anyone knows what that is. Fuck yes, I do. I My sister loves those. Yeah, I'm very much into Warrior Cats community underground, so I'm like, what if I just merge <laughs> those lives? It's just going to be like sports writers who like warriors talking about like, what would your warrior name be? Start that up in mid-July. Um, until then, I'm writing for Yahoo a little bit. I have a story coming on front office sports, a few other places, and someday someone will hire me maybe, and then that will be cool. Hire Marissa. Or else. Everyone's saying it. Hire Marissa. If you want to call in with your questions or suggestions for next week's episode, you can do so at 774-318-6952. You can follow us on Twitter at @puttbunnies_pod underscore pod and on Instagram where Audrey posts sometimes now, which is really exciting, at puckbunniespod, no underscore. Uh, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash puckbunnies. Marissa, thank you so much for coming on. We've loved speaking with you and we can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much. I'm Christina. I'm Audrey. And this has been Puck Buddies. And I just want to feel you there And I don't want to have to share our love I try, but I get overwhelmed When